You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. There are all kinds of different animals, but many of us share an important trait. From coral snakes in the Sonoran Desert, to zebras in Swaziland, from bearded dragons in Australia, to cuttlefish in the ocean. We're not talking about our common ancestors or our DNA or any of that stuff. It's just crucial bodily functions seen in creatures big and small, near and far, in creatures with butts of one form or another. Today's show is all about... Animal Animal farts. Farts! You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media, a show where we take your questions and ideas, dig up some answers, and inspire curiosity. I'm your host, Molly Bloom, and with me today from Swaziland are sisters Sira and Ella Logan-McGinn. Hello! Hi! So as I mentioned, you live in Swaziland, and that means you see regularly lots of animals that I have only read about in books or seen in zoos. So first of all, can you tell some of our listeners where Swaziland is? Swaziland is a landlocked country between Mozambique and South Africa, in Africa. (laughs) Excellent. And what are some of the animals that you see just when you're on your way to school? We normally see impala, waterbuck, kudu, zebra, and sometimes we see nyala and warthog. That is amazing. And so the reason that we brought you in today to help us is because of a video that you sent us that actually inspired this whole episode. Let's take a listen and then you can tell us what it is. So Ella and Sierra, tell our listeners what is happening in this video. The zebra are running away from us, and we're just going on a drive through Rumbea, our farm. And they were farting while they were running, and to us it was very funny. We started to hear them farting, and then we thought it would be a good mystery sound for Brains On, so my mom took a video of it. Good idea. Well, we've posted that video over at brainson.org, so listeners, please feel free to take a look and listen to this amazing creature. And don't worry, the video is odorless. Zebra farting can be funny, but like humans, it's just part of what happens in bodies. To learn all about human farts, you can check out our episode called Fart Smarts. That's on our website, too. So just like humans, zebras have to let out a fart every now and then. Over the past few weeks, we've been gathering listener-submitted animal farts. And to be clear, these are not recordings of actual animals farting like your zebra video. This is what our listeners think these farts sound like. This is a red fox fart. And I think an ape's fart makes... This is a shrimp fart, I think. This is a pig fart. And this is an armadillo fart. This is my impression of a mosquito fart. And I'm going to make the sound of a rat farting. And I think a lobster too is like this. The end. Thanks to Christopher, Ella, Ernest, Evelyn, Finn, Harper, Juliet, Lucy, and Penelope. We're going to bring you more listener-submitted animal farts a little later in the show. Now... To the real question at hand. Do all animals fart? Before we answer that, we have to agree on a definition of a fart. 
we had some debate over this actually, didn't we? Like, yeah, we did. What, um, what actually is a fart? Meet zoologists Danny Rabiotti and Nick Caruso. They've become de facto animal fart experts. They've been working together to assemble a Does It Fart database, a catalog of animal flatulence. That's why they're so interested in figuring out what exactly counts as a fart. Yeah, there's a medical definition of flatulence, but that, that doesn't quite mean the same as a fart. So flatulence is defined as flatus expelled through the anus. But that's technically has to be gas that's produced during digestion, which wouldn't necessarily be what a fart is, because like in humans, a lot of that air is swallowed. So we kind of had to kind of work around that. What was the conclusion we came to in the end? I think it was just any gas expelled through the end point that isn't the mouth. So it could be swallowed air, could be gas from digestion, and it doesn't have to be an anus. We have animals that have cloacas. So it was it we we broadened the definition a bit. Nick researches salamanders in the Appalachian Mountains. And Danny studies wild African dogs. But it was a snake that brought them together. My brother asked me, do snakes fart? And I was like, I don't actually know. I don't study snakes, but I do know someone that will. So I got on Twitter and I asked a guy called David Steen. He's an assistant research professor of wildlife ecology and conservation at Auburn University and a snake expert. The answer was, um, <laughs> yes, snakes do fart. And some snakes can even do it on demand. We'll get back to Danny and Nick in just a minute. But Ella and Sierra, I think we need to hear more about these farting snakes, right? Right. right. Hello, my name is Dr. Bruce Young. I am a professor of anatomy at the Kirksville College of Osteopathic Medicine. And although I teach medical anatomy, most of my research is on the anatomy of snakes. Bruce has studied snakes for almost 30 years. He says snakes do fart, sort of. A snake passes gas through its cloaca. For snakes, this part is sort of an opening or vent in their bodies. So they have a single vent in their body where their digestive their urinary and their reproductive system all opens into this one vent. Gas builds up in its large intestine, and then it passes out through the vent. And if enough of it passes out in a short period of time, it's audible. What's interesting about snakes is that there are a few types of snakes, only a few in the world, that have modified this system, and they will fart as a way of intimidating someone. Like a fear-inducing fart? I'd be scared of that. Yeah, that sound is known best from two types of snakes in North America, the Sonoran coral snake and a little burrowing snake called the hook-nose snake. Now, for those of you with siblings, farts as intimidation might be a familiar tactic, but I doubt your brother or sister can compete with a snake. So they can fart on demand, and they actually do it with enough force that they can lift their tail up off the ground by doing it. It produces a very high-pitched, kind of squeaky sound. They're just rhythmically expelling little bursts of air from their cloaca. As far as Bruce can tell, the sound is a little strange. Quite frankly, it's a silly sound. It's not intimidating in the least bit. It may be that it's not intended to really dissuade or scare off the predator. It may be it's intended to bring the predator's attention to the tail. Because if you're an animal like a snake, 
if you have to get bit by something, it's better to be bit on your tail than anywhere else. But we don't know. So snakes get a check in the yes column of Danny and Nick's animal fart database. But when it comes to the no column... There actually wasn't that many animals that didn't fart. Um, Most of the ones that didn't fart didn't really have much anatomy to be able to fart. But we did spend a really long time verifying whether sloths farted. And the uh, the end answer was no. So that was quite surprising because they're a mammal. But I had to ask a lot of experts about that one. But the top non-farter is a little easier to spot than a sloth. Birds is probably the number one on that list. All birds don't fart, as far as we know. Sira and Ella, is it surprising to you that birds don't fart? I think it's very surprising. And I don't because I just looked it up a while ago. So you already knew that they are not farters. Yeah. But we wanted to find out more about what makes birds so unflatulent, so we called up Laura Erickson. She's been teaching and writing about birds for over 40 years, and she talks about them on her podcast, For the Birds. Birds have such short intestines compared to mammals. It's one of their adaptations for flying that they eat food that they can extract the nourishment from really quickly so the food stays in their bodies as short a length of time as possible. Nothing has time to build up and become gassy and smelly because it goes out as quick as it comes in. So food comes in and goes out quickly. That way the birds aren't weighed down by all the extra stuff making it much easier for them to take off. So birds don't fart because they can fly. (laughs) At least that's how the story goes most of the time. We do know, though, that a graduate student at Cornell named Alan Richard Weisbrod in 1965, he was studying blue jays, and he wrote what may be the first written description of bird flatulence. He was there in December when it was very cold, and he was looking through the window of the office into the captive jay enclosure, and when one of the birds defecated, went to the bathroom, it also let out a small puff of whitish gas. So that was proof that gas comes out too, and that's what a fart is. I also heard from a birder who spent a lot of time in New Zealand who actually heard kiwis make a farting sound. Apparently, they're very mammal-like in a lot of their physiology, and that may be one factor that makes them a true farting bird. But these are just stories that require more proof before they'll be accepted. Meanwhile, the bird fart remains elusive. Does it actually exist? For now, we think no. But maybe... Let's move from feathers to flippers. Birds are non-farters. On the opposite end of the spectrum, an animal that may be a true fart artiste. A fartist? Sure, a fartist. When you look on the Does It Fart database, the note for this sea-dwelling creature reads, near constantly. Manatees are gassy animals. It's just one of those cool facts about them. Cat Burner looks after a couple manatees named Hugh and Buffett at the Moat Marine Aquarium in Sarasota, Florida. 
Kat is a senior aquarium biologist there. Manatees look kind of like seals, only a lot bigger and fatter. They have two front flippers and one big back tail called a fluke. Just like a whale. These marine mammals are usually found slowly meandering around shallow waters searching for food. Cat monitors Hugh and Buffett all day long. Part of that means watching and listening. And unfortunately, it also means smelling. They are submerged underwater, so that can kind of mute the smell slightly. But if you're downwind, manatee farts can be very stinky. It would smell kind of like a barnyard. Manatees are herbivores, so they uh, feed primarily on vegetation. In the wild, they would eat different types of saltwater and freshwater plants and seagrasses. And so here at our aquarium, we provide them with all types of greens. And they eat anywhere from about 5 to 10% of their body weight every single day. And so Hugh and Buffett get 80 heads of romaine lettuce and 12 bunches of kale on a daily basis. So because they have a very like high-fiber diet and they're taking in a lot of greens, that also allows for them to uh, continue to display their normal like flatulent-type behavior. Another reason for why manatees fart is because it's a great way that they're able to adjust their buoyancy. They can actually use the releasing of gas in order to go lower in the water column or actually even come up to the surface to breathe. They don't have other ways of remaining kind of horizontal in the water, and by having really big lungs and having the ability to pass gas kind of all day long, that helps keep them horizontal and allows for them to adjust their positioning. So it's actually a really, really important thing about how healthy they are and an important tool that they use in order to survive and explore and travel through their natural environments. Humans take around two days to digest food and poop out the waste. For a manatee, that process takes about six days. That means a manatee digests a meal for nearly a week. Which is why at any given time they have lots of gas in them. And these farts aren't simply byproducts of digestion. Manatees use this gas to help them get around. If a manatee can't let out that gas, if it's bloated, it can't dive down. So their ability to pass gas helps cat know how healthy they are. Another part of the body you might want to keep healthy are the ears, especially when it comes to the mystery sound. Mystery Here it is. Any guesses as to what that might be? I think maybe it's someone driving, I think, or going fast on, like, a tar road with something ticking in the back. Excellent guess. Sira, do you have a guess? Yeah. With our oven, there's, like, this thing that you need to press, and then it makes that ticking noise. I think it's that. Oh, when you turn it on. Oh, oh, you turn the gas gas stove on? Yeah. Got it. We'll reveal the mystery sound in the second half of the show, so stick around for that. Plus, you don't want to miss... Killer Farts. If you could live on Mars, would you do it? We're doing an episode all about the Red Planet, and we want to hear your thoughts. Tell us why you would or wouldn't want to leave Earth and live on Mars. Email us at hello at brainson.org. 
Brains On would not be the show you know and love without you. Thanks for sending in all your questions, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Keep them coming. You can send them to hello at brainson.org. We love snail mail, too. Find our address on the website brainson.org. Freya from Corvallis, Oregon, recently sent us an email asking this question. How do flat rocks skip across the water? We'll have the answer to that in our moment of um. Stick around for that and the brand new inductees to the Brains Honor Roll at the end of this episode. You're listening to Brains On from America Public Media. I'm Sarah Logan McGinn. I'm Ella Logan McGinn. And I'm Molly Bloom. This episode is focused on the business of the back end, animal farts. With the help of Danny Rabiotti and Nick Caruso's intrepid research, we're taking a look at which animals fart and why possibly they do it. And we're about to enter the danger zone. Brains on resident bug guy John Lambert is here with a tale of an insect fart that is both silent and deadly. It's called Lomomaya latipennis, or the beaded lacewing. Fully grown, it looks sort of like a dragonfly, but brown with a shorter body, wider wings, and long beaded antenna. It begins its life as a larva born inside a termite colony. This is pretty weird, since normally termites will find intruders and boot them out. But some organisms, including spiders, centipedes, and insects like the beaded lacewing, have evolved a sneaky trick. They can smell like a termite. So the termites take a whiff and think that these critters are one of them. The intruders get a free pass to live in this safe termite fortress that's stocked with free food and they don't have to work to defend or supply it. Our friend, the little lacewing larva, does exactly this, but it isn't really a great house guest. In fact, it eats its hosts, which is amazing to think about since a single termite can be 35 times larger than the little lacewing larva. So how does it attack this bigger, beastly bug? Well, Professor Ding Johnson has discovered that it might be a toxic toot. The very first time I saw this, I was looking at a larva and a termite in a very small vial, and the larva ran up and looked like it touched the termite, then turned around and it literally waved the tip of its abdomen past the termite. And I was making a joke to myself about being rude to the termite, you know, mooning it. And then the termite rolled over and twitched and after a few minutes was immobile. And then the beaded lacewing larva came back to feed. Ding was dumbfounded. It appeared that the larvae were emitting some kind of lethal gas that immobilized and killed termites. To figure this out, he used a test tube divided by a thin piece of filter paper. On one side, a termite and beaded lacewing larva. On the other side, a lone termite. Only gas can pass through the filter paper. So, if the lacewing does its butt-waving thing again and both termites keel over, then gas must be the culprit. But if only the one next to it passes out, something else must be going on. So, with the experiment set up, Ding waited. And minutes after the larva waved its abdomen, both termites froze. Conclusion, it was the gas. Silent, but deadly. I still remember the moment sitting there eating my carton of yogurt for lunch. 
when I made the joke to myself about mooning the termite, the next few minutes were just a life-changing experience in terms of making me aware of the real specialized, marvelous things tiny little animals can do. To this day, nobody knows what chemicals are actually in the gas. And get this, these fatal fumes only work on termites, not the spiders and centipedes also lurking in the colony. These beaded lacewing farts are still a mystery, waiting for some curious entomologist to pick up where Ding Johnson left off. Speaking of stinky things, we want to let you know about a book giveaway that's going on right now. We're giving away 10 copies of No Way Way, Stinky, Sticky, Sneaky Stuff. It's a book chock full of captivating facts about the stinky, sticky, and sneaky stuff all around us. You can enter for a chance to win at brainson.org slash giveaway. Now, we didn't get any smellograms, but we got lots of emails from our listeners with what they think different animal farts sound like. So we couldn't help but provide a second helping. This is the sound of an ant farting. I think this is how a penguin farts. I think this is how a tiger farts. And this is how a tiger This is a zebra farting. This is a bear fart sound, I think. This is what I think an alligator fart sounds like. Plop, 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 plop. This is how I think a T-Rex fart sounds like. This is the sound of a pair of Sorolophus fart. was Oliver, Micah, Idan, Miles, Hattie, Scarlett, Stella, Travis, and Fiona. It's a good thing none of them gave away this episode's mystery sound, though. Let's listen to it one more time. What do you think this sound might be? Ella, why don't you go first? I'm not sure. Like, maybe someone spinning a wheel with, like, the thing ticking on it? Excellent guess. Sierra, what do you think? Um... Maybe it's an animal. Doesn't sound like an animal. <laughs> show about because the show is about animal farts. It seems to make sense. It's about that. Mm-hmm. Well, here is the answer. That was the sound of a fish. That was a herring farting, making that noise. So, Sierra and Elle, do you know what a herring is? No, herring. Herring is a kind of a fish. It's about the length of. A, you know, a large person's hand, silvery, kind of like a, a larger sardine. Hmm. Producer Mark Sanchez talked to the guy who captured this mystery sound. Ecologist Ben Wilson never set out to capture the sounds of herring farts. He was originally running an experiment to see if the sounds of predators had any effect on these fish. So I was playing back killer whale sounds to herring to see what they did. I had a hydrophone, an underwater microphone in the tank, listening back just to make sure my equipment was working. But every now and again, I get this weird noise, and I, I thought it was a loose connection or something wrong with my equipment. And then I realized this has got to be coming from the tank without any of my electronics. And, and I did some experiments with and without fish in the tank, and the sound only ever came when the fish were in the tank. So I realized at that point, this mystery noise was coming from the fish. 
Ben is by far not the only person studying herring. But most people doing research on them are doing it during the day. And that's key, because herring seem to change after sundown. So I was staying up till the middle of the night because I needed the lab to be all quiet to, to play back my killer whale sounds. And then this noise popped out. And of course, when you start listening in the night, suddenly you realize that's when they're making it. Ben first heard herring make these sounds over a decade ago, and he still doesn't know why they do it exactly. So far, he's observed that they only do it when other herring are around, which suggests that these farts might be a way of communicating. If I had one fish on its own, no sounds. I could listen all night, nothing. If I had two fish, three fish, four fish, I might occasionally get a sound. If I had 30 fish or 50 fish, I'd get much more sounds, much more like one per fish per night. This is actually award-winning science. And when Ben wrote about what he'd observed, he had to come up with a name for the noise. And in addition to being a scientist, Ben also has a bit of a sense of humor. Uh, I called it a fast, repetitive tick. So there's the tick, tick, tick noise, and then there's lots of them, and it comes quite fast. And if you work that out to an acronym, it comes out as FART. I don't know about you, but I am a sucker for a good acronym, and FRT has to be one of the best. To make this fast, repetitive tick, herring use their swim bladder, a long, thin tube attached to the back of a herring's head. It follows under the fish's spine and ends at, well, the end, the anus. Herring fill the swim bladder by swimming all the way up to the water surface and taking a big gulp of air. And besides farting, they use it for buoyancy, to help them swim or dive. Ben has even taken note of the pitch of these farts. That's how high or low the tone of the sound is. And it falls right in this spot that herring can detect. It matches very well with the kind of frequencies that herring can hear, but other fish can't. So it's really quite interesting that they might be able to communicate with each other, other herring, in a way that most other predatory fish can't hear. It's kind of like a secret code. Only transmitted by farts. We've been exploring whether different animals fart throughout this episode thanks to Danny Rabiotti and Nick Caruso. Remember, they built a spreadsheet to catalog all these glorious gassy creatures. One of the columns in the spreadsheet is where different scientists can leave notes about the animals they study. With the help of other researchers, Danny and Nick learned even more about animal farts. We had an entry for the hyena. Apparently, their farts smell worse after they eat camel intestines. Um, so we weren't really sure why that was, what, what it is about that, but that was some anecdotes from some researchers who you know, probably didn't have a, have a great day in the field that day. Smelly descriptions aside, Danny and Nick say that putting together this fart database is useful science, just not in the way you might think. It wasn't something we set out to do necessarily, but it was something that we realized was a really good way to communicate with people how awesome all these animals are and how different they all are and how there's so many animals out there where we just don't actually know a lot about them. I think the database truly speaks at the collaborative nature of science. You know, no one can do science, whatever their field is, by themselves. And I think that was the important part of this database. So many people came together to offer up information and talk about different aspects of, you know, something as silly as animal farts, but really shows the collaborative nature of science. Danny and Nick's database will be released as a book this fall in the UK and next year in the US. As you just heard, a fart database has the ability to bring people together. Kind of like music. (laughs) 
Deafened by the loudest sound It even shakes my bedroom's ground Coming from my doggy, my doggy let a fart out Lucky Diaz and the family band with the song, Does It Fart? Just like in humans, farts are a natural bodily function for a lot of animals. They can be used to help swim and float. Warn of predators. Or even kill. Some animals need to fart. And others don't do it at all. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom. We are funded in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. And now for our moment of um. My name is Freya, and I'm six years old, and I live in Corvallis, Oregon. And my question is. How do flat rocks skip across the water? Um, They actually create a little bit of lift. And so they are able to, you know, they go in the water, they have a little bit of lift, and this causes them to rise up out of the water and do it again over and over and over again. Um, But there's some really specific things that have to happen in order for them to do this properly. So they have to be spinning, and they have to be spinning about the flat so that the flat part remains at some angle to the water. Anyway, and that spin is called gyroscopic stabilization, but that allows the rock to stay at a certain angle to the water. Now when it hits the water, it can continue to hit the water at this angle and cause more, you know, lift every time it touches the water's surface. 
There's one more kind of more complicated thing I should mention, though, and that is when it hits the surface, the surface moves. That surface moving causes a cavity to form, we call it. It's kind of like a dimple. And actually what it is is it's creating almost a wave in front of the rock. And the wave moves outward at a certain speed, but that speed at first is at the same speed as the rock, but then it slows down. And so the rock comes in contact with the wave it already created, and this is where a lot of the lift comes in, and then it can pop up out of the surface. Um, um, um. This long list of names is going to skip right off my tongue because I'm so excited to give high fives to this new group of Brains Honor Rollies. Grace and Owen from Menifee, California, Jack from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Sari from Atlanta, Sydney from Berlin, Mahika from Madison, Wisconsin, Emma from Fremont, California, Alex, Evan, and Gabriel from Herzliya, Israel, Margot and Pierce from Davis, California, Kira from Pinole, California, Alex and Henry from Medford, Massachusetts, Mateo from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Ezra from Toronto, Christopher and Timothy from St. Louis, Aisha from Marietta, Georgia, Evelyn and Spencer from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Luella from Portland, Oregon, Alexander from Pittsburgh, Ellie from Florence, Massachusetts, Harlow from Carolina Beach, North Carolina, William and Penelope from Woodland Hills, California, Dahlia, Juliana, and Patricia from Basel, Switzerland, William from Carson City, Nevada, Leroy from Sydney, Angus from Melbourne, Joseph from County Mayo, Ireland, Dino from Salado, Texas, Evelyn from Rescue, California, Mercy and Samuel from Petrolia, Ontario, Alex and Nathan from St. Louis, Kobe from Portland, Maine, Liam from Calgary, Scarlett from Mount Juliet, Tennessee, Bennett from Raleigh, North Carolina, Archimedes from Portland, Oregon, Noah from Denver, Leah and Eowyn from Eagle, Idaho, Katie, Sarah, and Emily from from Marietta, Georgia, Violet from Houston, Boston and Jackson from Fresno, California, and Lila and Kieran from Los Angeles. Having your name added to the honor roll is simple. Just send in a question, mystery sound, or drawing. Send them all to hello at brainson.org. We had so much stinking help this week. A windy thanks to engineers Johnny Vince Evans, Michael Osborne, Loma Gumbi, and Makabani. Great gassy gratitude must also be paid to Samantha Crosso Peck, Stephanie Logan McGinn, and Mike Mulcahy. Thanks, thanks for, for listening! listening.